Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer, Brenda Alacy with you, our number two. Continuing our discussion with the four NY27 Congre- congressional candidates, there is a special election and a primary on June 23rd. And part of both of those will be State Senator Chris Jacobs, who joins us now. Chris, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Uh, Before we get into it, how is everything going with the pandemic? And now you've got the campaign still in state Senate. How's uh, how's life been the last few months? Oh, definitely different, but uh, going well. And uh, most importantly, families doing well. And uh, and we're just like everybody in their whether their business or personal uh, situation, just uh, adjusting and adapting and and, uh, doing the best they can. And we've done the same with the campaign. Uh, and found, you know, creative ways of staying in touch with voters and uh, and continue to try to be out there. But certainly, you know, Tuesday is reopening here in, uh, for phase three. So hopefully there's more activity and ability to uh, interact in this uh, final week. It'll be, uh, you know, for, for, the, for this uh, campaign. Uh, good morning, Chris. Thanks for joining us. And I wanted to ask you specifically about a call you received from Air Force One uh, from President Trump reiterating his support for you. Uh, what was that conversation like? Oh, well, yes, it was uh, very exciting. And uh, uh, I got a call earlier in the day from somebody at the White House saying uh, the president wanted to talk to you briefly. And uh, so I, uh, about an hour later, I got a call. And it was, hello, this is the White House. Hold for the president, and then it then it clicked again and said, "Hello, this is Air Force One. Hold for the president." And then uh, a couple seconds later, uh, the president picked up, and uh, we uh, had a, a very nice conversation. He reiterated his support. He um, mentioned that another tweet would be coming, which came uh, very soon after our discussion. Uh, just again restating his support of me, and uh, uh, and then uh, we talked about a, a few things and. Uh, uh, it was an honor to be called. And, you know, I did want to mention one thing. I, I don't want to get into all the particulars of the camp- of the discussion with the president, but one thing he wanted me to convey um, is we talked a, a bit about what was going on in the country and p- particularly in, in our area. And he just said, um, please convey to law enforcement I'm with them. And I, I said, thank you, Mr. President. I believe people know that, but I will absolutely reiterate that. So, 
Um, he's aware of what's going on, and uh, he's you know standing up uh, uh, to support those in uniform who are doing uh, great work in, in tough situations and playing his, his critically important role as the head of this nation to return law and order and safety. And uh, I concur with that wholeheartedly. The president took some heat about uh, calling uh, Martin Gugino uh, perhaps an agent provocateur and suggested that it was all a ruse from uh, Martin Gugino when the police uh, had that encounter with him. Well, what do you say to that, Chris? What's your view on that? Well, I think we just need to get to the bottom of this. There's a lot of questions about the situation, and uh, I obviously need a full investigation. Uh, but in talking with the president, uh, he agreed, you know, I, I mentioned to him how I was shocked that these two police officers were charged with felony assault and that uh, you need intent, intent to injure beyond a reasonable doubt. That's the standard. And uh, I just can't see how uh, anybody could say that they intended by pushing him back uh, to, to injure him to that extent. So um, I think that uh, that was very unfair, and I think that it's my great hope that those men will be vindicated uh, when things move forward. Chris, you know, speaking of law enforcement, you know, there's been that push to defund the police we see uh, all around the country. What is your uh, stand on that, and what do you think Congress needs to do? Well, I, I think that it's a very disturbing thing uh, to, you know, the calls for defund uh, and calls to disarm the police. And uh, I would say, you know, my opponent, Nate McMurray, has uh, been aligned with a lot of the people who have been advocating for that. And uh, Nate's talked about how he liked when he went to China that they didn't have firearms. So I, I you know, I disagree. I think that uh, we need a, uh, a funded police force. And frankly, many of our police forces have been underfunded and, and, and need more resources. And I, I'm just shocked what is happening in Minneapolis. Uh, I mean, that the, the council is unanimously voting to defund. I mean, Minneapolis is an enormous city. Um, that is very dangerous, and uh, I, I think that I hope it doesn't happen for the safety of the citizens. But, uh, uh, but you know, even New York now, I, I hear they were talking about cutting a billion dollars out of a New York City budget, uh, a police budget that would uh, cause 3,000 police officers to be uh, laid off. I mean, uh, so I, I think that this is very dangerous, and uh, you know, certainly the the. The tragedy that happened with George Floyd, the horrific murder, uh, I think every American was um, shocked by that, sickened by that, and that individual needs to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, as those other three uh, law officers who did nothing need to. And, and it, the argument could be made there's a problem in that police uh, department, and there needs to be a full investigation top to bottom. But that doesn't mean there's 800,000 police officers in this country. We cannot generalize and say they are all inherently racist. I mean, the majority of police officers are good people who go to work every day uh, with the best interest in serving their, their people. And, you know, as a person who my grandfather was a Buffalo police officer, an Erie County Sheriff, uh, you know, I was just raised to respect what they do as a very, very difficult job. And without law and, law and order uh, and keeping people safe, we don't have much. Chris, so what was your uh, your take on Brian Higgins and Elise Stefanik joining forces to call for the reopening of the U.S.-Canada border? I, I thought it was great, and uh, certainly I would uh, I would concur with that. And uh, you know, if anybody who's known me, I've, I've worked in a bipartisan manner in everything I've done, and, and would would be um, 
would be willing to kind of engage in that effort. Uh, I will say that we need to do something. I, I, you know, I was shocked that they're looking at delaying in another month, so from June 21st to, to, to July. Uh, again, that would be a major hit on our economy. And we have to keep something also in mind. Um, we have a real problem even when we reopen in New York State because we have this green light bill, uh, this green light law, which gives driver's licenses to illegal immigrants. Uh, due to the fact that that law and provisions in it which hinder federal law enforcement to get critical information, it, does, it, it penalizes uh, uh, local law enforcement and local, uh, you know, like DMV workers, uh, auto bureau workers, from do, giving information to federal law enforcement. Because of those provisions, uh, the uh, federal government has now suspended the Trusted Traveler Program, like Nexus, for, uh, for New York State. Uh, so even when we reopen, we are not going to be fully able to uh, begin our, our act, full activities with Canada, which will be harmful to our economy. Uh, so, you know, I believe we should suspend at a minimum until we resolve this, the green light law. And because of the fact that it's going to do, we need to be, and once this is open, we need to get going. And right now we can't. And unfortunately, you know, my opponent, Nate McMurray, is all for the green light law. So uh, th these are important things. And uh, I'm glad Brian Higgins and Elise Stefanik did that. I hope it's heard that there's a more reasonable approach uh, to this broad-based closure, uh, you know, until late, you know, mid-summer. That uh, really is not a good thing. Speaking of the pandemic, Chris, uh, seeing the state slowly reopen, what do you think of the phase process? And being in state Senate, is there any talk of if there is another curve, or not another curve, I'm sorry, another spread of coronavirus that we would go back, backtrack through the phases? Uh, I'm certainly happy that the phase approach happen in, in a regional basis because keep in mind at the beginning Governor Cuomo was talking about a one-size-fits-all opening where we would be waiting on New, uh, arguably New York City which is the worst situation and uh, due to the leadership of, I think we played a role in the state I would say Tom Reed Congressman Reed played a great role in advocating for this it got broken up into five regions now I have some issues with how they carved those regions, they kind of didn't make sense in a way. Um, but, uh, but the good news is other regions start opening sooner. So I'm glad we're going to phase three. Uh, I, I would love to see if we could ramp up some of the phase four into phase three. But uh, I would say if, if, the, um, if we see an uptick or something along those lines, no, I do not believe that we should go back to closing, uh, broad-based closure. I think we're seeing people... Uh, act in, in a safe way in terms of distancing, uh, in terms of masks. We can do this. We can do this in a way that keeps it safe. Let's just keep in mind that the, probably the reason that our state was so high compared to other state is, states is, is what Governor Cuomo did um, in his decision uh, to mandate that COVID positive, that nursing homes accept COVID positive patients. That is the reason we are way higher than others because of all the deaths that ensued as a result of that decision. And the governor tried to deflect it when, when it came out about how deadly this was and said it was, oh, well, we were just following CDC guidelines and it was the federal government that made us do this. And uh, I would just reference you, there was just a PolitiFact article that came out and say that is not true. There was not a mandate by the federal government um, it was rated false uh, by PolitiFact. So 
It's on this governor. He made that mistake. If we have an uptick, secure the vulnerable, like elderly, and those with underlying conditions. But a broad-based closure does not make sense. So, Chris, when you see a spike in some of the states like Arizona, Texas, Kentucky, several states, uh, do you think it was just mismanaged? Or I guess I'm a little unclear about whether you think the safety guidelines make sense, social distancing, wearing a mask, et cetera, that kind of thing. I think, no, I, uh, uh, Brenda, I think social distancing and the guidelines make sense. But I, I think we can do that while staying open. I mean, you see this in what we're doing. You go to the supermarket and everybody's wearing masks and they're respecting distance. And, and we can do these. And now you see people are beginning to eat in restaurants and they're doing it outside and, and they're wearing masks in and then taking off. So I think those things uh, make, you know, make a big difference. And, you know, keep in mind, don't, if, you're, if you're sick, don't go out. You know, don't interact. Don't be irresponsible and put other people at risk. And also things we're seeing with the airline starting, temperature screening and those sort of things. We can do that, um, but, you know, it's going to be a while before we have a vaccine. So we can't just continue, you know, perpetually shut down this economy because then this balancing of the, the devastation it does and the harm to life in other ways starts to outweigh uh, the prevention of, of COVID. You know, we, we talk about the governor and COVID, but there's also talk about uh, a really aggressive renewable energy goal for the state that the governor is putting forth. Chris, um, and, and so many of those projects, whether they're solar or wind, would be mostly in rural areas like NY27. What do you hear from the local residents uh, of that district and should those, you know, in, in terms of those being approved for such projects? I, I, I think there's a real sense of, again, the uh, governor or, uh, and the downstate controlled legislators' uh, arrogance in terms of just um, mandating uh, that, you know, uh, upstate and other areas will, will host these massive constru uh, uh, industrial wind projects, industrial solar projects. I mean, the governor is now, the, the process before was, was, had a little bit of ability of local communities to have a say. Now the governor has changed that to the point of there's very, very little say a, a local community has uh, for a massive, you know, 50 50 windmills that, you know, are the length, uh, you know, the height of a, a football, three football fields. I mean, so I think that uh, I've been on the side of defending, you know, certainly if people think it's a good idea and, and, and want it in their community, there's benefits to them financially, they can do it, but they need to have the control. And, you know, I've said if I am elected to Congress, I want to introduce legislation. Uh, these projects only happen because of the lucrative t state and federal tax credits that they get. Um, I'm, uh, I want to introduce legislation if I go to uh, Congress to say uh, no uh, tax credits go to projects unless there's a local sign-off on the project. We're not ramming any projects down people's throat. Um, we, we can do this in a way that the areas that want it can have it, but the other ones, no. If you are elected to Congress, Chris, oh, do you think term limits should be imposed? Would you be in favor of term limits? Yes, I, I've signed the term limit pledge, and I, I, the, the, the first piece of legislation when I got into office in the state Senate was term limit legislation. Uh, and so I've been an advocate of term limits my entire uh, time of serving, uh, and I just believe people, uh, we have too many career politicians, and I, I believe that uh, people should go in for a period of time, serve, 
try to make a difference, uh, and then come back home and live under the laws uh, that they created. And, uh, you know, I got criticized a lot when I ran on this when I was running for the state Senate. Uh, and, uh, but I've been, since I've been up in Albany uh, and witnessed what I witnessed up there, it, it only reinforced my belief that uh, term limits are, are ne- necessary. You just have people that stay up there too long and start lose, lose sight of who they're there to represent they start making decisions to really perpetuate their own career and just being able to secure their job for another term and make uh, decisions that are just harmful uh, for, for, this, uh, for this community. Chris, real quick, uh, we got about two minutes. No, I'm sorry, we got about one minute. Uh, anything else you'd like to throw out there a week away from the special election and primary day? One last pitch uh, why people should vote for you. Yes. Uh, again, you know, we had a very good debate, uh, Nate and I, uh, this week, and I think it really highlighted the contrast between him and I. Uh, and uh, unlike uh, Nate, I, I'm, 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 it's not personal. I didn't attack him personally. I didn't attack his family as Nate did to me. I, I just stated that it's my belief that Nate McMurray does not represent the interests of NY27. You know, uh, New York 27 believes in the Second Amendment. Nate has mocked Second Amendment owners saying uh, they are, uh, I, I'll just quote you, uh, that they are part of the most uh, insecure uh, gr- club on earth, you know. So I, I think that those sort of things, um, or uh, I'm pro-life, many in the district are pro-life. Uh, Nate called abortion opponents the American Taliban. Uh, so I, I think that, oh, oh, and finally, Donald Trump, I'm endorsed by the president. I'm honored to be endorsed by the president. I'm the only candidate endorsed by the president, contrary to what my Republican opponents try to say. Um, but Nate McMurray not only dislikes, and I would say go far enough to hate, that he hates the president, he also has said anybody who supports this president um, is a traitor, is a traitor. So he's calling supporters of the president a traitor, a, the duly elected president of the United States. So it is my view that Nate has a vision of taking our country much more towards a socialist idea. That's why he likes AOC and Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. I think he, he lives on Grand Island. I think he really should run on the island of Manhattan. He's much more like a Manhattan leftist liberal. He just doesn't fit the people and the values of the 27th district. I believe I do. I believe I have a track record as a business person, a track record as a, a, in time and government service, Uh, that I have the track record and experience where I can be an impactful representative for this region. And I respectfully ask for the voters uh, vote on June 23rd, both for the special election against Nate McMurray and also for the the Republican primary, uh, which is on the same day, uh, both of which President Trump has endorsed me for. State Senator Chris Jacobs, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. That is State Senator Chris Jacobs. And as he mentioned, special election and Republican primary, both on June 23rd. Uh, And we will have Beth Parlato joining us right after this break and the news. It's Hardline with Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy on News Radio 930 WBEN. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.